Welcome back to Podcast 12 of 2024. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us at The Oddsbreakers and follow us on social media slash The Oddsbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by BetMGM. Bet five bucks, get $158 back to place on any more bets. Terms, conditions, and location apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you'd like to support the Ozbreakers and benefit from our premium plays, please visit theozbreakers.com, click shop, and become a member. Pick any for winning cappers to get the premium plays before the line moves. You can also support us on patreon.com. And if nothing else, please visit the Ozbreakers and become a free picks and telegram subscriber. Super Bowl is here, my friends. It's in a few days, and I am very excited. I have plenty of prop bets to discuss with you, saving a couple for our premium customers, but most of them I'm going to give to you now. I think the lines will move off of some of these anyways. But uh, we have a wonderful guest to discuss these props with you in Mr. Ron Ace Sports from the Inside Blitz. And he is a fantastic prop better. He does them every week. He's been gambling and sports betting for 40 years. This man has been around, and he knows the markets and he knows how to not make mistakes so i'm really excited to bring ron on and talk about all this fun props and uh, offerings that the sports books have for super bowl sunday in case you missed the last show we had Derek stevens on and he talked about all the wonderful events that he's throwing on nine huge parties in las vegas he has something for everybody if you're a young single guy or gal if you are uh, married couple and want to just have a little bit more chill if you're looking for a party with some class he's got every option for everybody so uh, make sure you check that out if you are going to be in vegas and have nothing to do but you should also check it out because i give you my super bowl handicap and i picked a side in this super bowl so if you've missed it uh, feel free to go back and listen to that show and listen to my breakdowns uh, there's a lot of back and forth it seems like Kansas City seems to be the public side in this Super Bowl, especially from a sports media standpoint. I mean, you can tell, you know, you have like 80% of people picking Kansas City because of what they saw recently. You know, I I find that fascinating, just absolutely fascinating. So uh, real excited for the big game. It's just such an interesting handicap depending upon how you want to approach it, you know, power versus experience, checking boxes versus pure stats, uh, very involved. And uh, I go by what I like to do throughout the season. I don't think there's going to be any motivational edges here. And uh, you can just check out that show if you haven't already to find out what side I am going with i'm probably going to actually reveal it later as well in this show with ron but before ron comes on i also want to mention that you should have as many outs as possible if you haven't signed up for bet mgm it's a great book they have plenty of props they have available they are kind of late to move lines if you notice like FanDuel and DraftKings, move lines pretty quick not the fastest line movers but bet mgm seems to be behind and <laughs> i always uh 
get a little bit extra value by bet mgm check out our podcast description if you want to get that bonus you know 158 dollars for a five dollar bet you can bet on all these super bowl props might be advantageous to you to get another out during the big game on sunday so like i said before we get into the super bowl we're talking college basketball because college basketball rules right now minus the super bowl it is what the main focus is all the way through march madness and we have a big slate of games we even have games to talk about on super bowl sunday so without further ado let's talk a little college hoops starting with our buy low and sell high spots all right college hoops buy low sell high so always love to talk about this for my first buy low team i'm gonna go with ucla now they were a sell team back in early january when i started talking about them but something clicked after they absolutely got devastated by utah they started winning games as a matter of fact they won six out of their last seven games but ken palm still has them 91st that's pretty dang low i think that mick cronin's got these guys playing some defense they're shooting better they're not shooting great but they're shooting better and they should be able to catch some teams maybe feeling a little bit too good about themselves, right? They have Cal coming up. I don't know. I actually kind of like Cal too, so I'm not sure what side I'm going to take. Looks like Cal USC went overtime, man. Thank God they pulled it out because I had Cal minus two in that game last night. But, geez, uh, it was a super late game, and I fell asleep. And here we are in the morning, me looking at this box score, geez, uh, glad I survived that one. Andy Enfield's got this USC team playing the best they can. They've lost some big players. Bronny James is there, not that much of a factor, but you know they're probably ranked where they're supposed to be. But UCLA is definitely undervalued. Number two, I'm going with St. John's, baby. The Johns, they were sick with COVID, okay? So they dropped a few games. Since mid-January, Creighton, Seton Hall, Marquette, then they beat Villanova at home, then Xavier and UConn. Completely forgivable they used to UConn. And then then they beat DePaul Bad on Tuesday. Now, they'll have Marquette away this weekend. Probably going to be a past five-point spread. Interesting to check them out there. Providence away. They're going to be a dog in that game. Then you're going to get Seton Hall at home. Then you're going to be away at Georgetown. Then you're going to be home against Creighton. It's just uh, they've gotten through a big home stretch, but unfortunately the COVID kind of got to them. The flu got to them too. It's They were sick. Patino was sick. Now it's time to kind of buy back on them and start covering these big spreads. I think they are going to be a buy-on team. Let's move to sell high. Baylor, number one sell-high team, ranked 16th on Ken Palm. This team does not play great defense, and they are away. They're lucky they came back at home against a Texas Tech team that kind of crapped the bed. You know, Texas Tech was winning that game for a, a good portion of it. Now, Baylor's going to have Kansas on deck this weekend. They'll be at home against Oklahoma, probably a game I'm not going to be involved in on the side, possibly a total play, but... Uh, 
West Virginia is ne- their next game away. They're going to be a big favorite away in that game. Might have to hold my nose again, even though it didn't work out that well for West for, for me for West Virginia last time. And I do have a warning about these teams. But Baylor, I just think they're a little bit overvalued here at 16th. I just don't think ranking 75th on Ken Palm and defense is going to get it done on the road. Defense, if you can't shoot on the road, you are possibly getting blown out. So those are my thoughts on Baylor. And then my other sell-high team, Illinois. Illinois just getting by, too, a little bit. Uh, They're ninth on Ken Palm. Probably a top 15 team, but three wins in a row. We're talking Big Ten. They're going to be away three of the next four games. Michigan State, Michigan, Maryland, and Penn State. Michigan, they're at home, but then Maryland and Penn State. So this Illinois team might be fade central very shortly in my next coming week. So there you go, my sell-high teams. Now, I also wanted to have another little discussion on non-trustable teams. And I fell for Georgia a couple times. I was lucky to cover the first one against Tennessee when they were winning until a minute left. They lost by six, and then they just lost last week. Uh, while winning most of the game by 10 points, they lose by nine. You know, you're talking, I think I took them plus seven or something like that, and they just absolutely uh, shit the bed. They're a team that will choke. They are winning against Bama. <laughs> that was the one I was talking about up 10 or, 10 or so points. They're winning against South Carolina. <laughs> they ended up losing that by 10. Holy cow, is this not a trustworthy team? But maybe you look to the first half if you're thinking you're going to back Georgia in this situation, you know. Um, very tough to do that. And I might think the same thing for West Virginia when they do play Baylor because West Virginia did the same thing for me. Last weekend, I had a bad weekend. I picked some bad teams that I thought was undervalued, and I lost on them. I lost on them all. So I was very disappointed in that. BYU, uh, West Virginia was beating BYU, then they crapped the bed. You know, same thing with Oklahoma State. At some point, they they crapped the bed. It's just been a a very strange season for West Virginia, who has wins against Texas at home, Kansas at home, and Cincinnati at home. You know, certainly not going to back them on the road anytime quickly here. But maybe at home, when they get Baylor on Saturday, February 17th, that could be a spot where you just look towards the first half, cut that baby right in half. Uh, Oklahoma State, let's just stay with the same conference. They're a choking team, too. Hard to trust this team, yet I lost a bet on Houston. Houston was up by 30, and the problem was that Oklahoma State was so bad for three quarters of that game. Houston put in their scrubs early with like eight minutes left, and then they came back to cover their spread, probably plus 12 since they were down by 30, lost by uh, 17 or 18 points instead of 19 and a half that I had. So that was just depressing when that happened. Made me want to chop that and take Houston in the first half. But I can't trust Oklahoma State either in the second half because if Houston would have left their starters in, they probably would have won by 35 points. So there you go. Uh, Those are three teams that are just really hard to trust. Uh, I might keep that as a segment coming into March Madness uh, as well. All right. Well, let's get into some games. Now, Friday, there's only three games. Only three college basketball games on Friday. It is absolutely crazy to see only three games. But here you go, Dayton versus VCU. This is an interesting game because 
Uh, you know, Dayton's been a beast, but VCU does some good things. You know, VCU has some really good defense. They're not going to have any advantages over Dayton, but the only advantage Dayton has from a Haslametrics uh, matchup standpoint near the proximity, Dayton ranking second and VCU ranking 49th. VCU is a has been a very bad home team. They're not covering spreads at home. And obviously that big choke against St. Bonaventure that I was on them last week was another head scratcher that happened. Uh, but this is a, probably a good game to watch. Maybe you'll learn a little bit more about Dayton. I'm trying to learn a little bit more about Dayton because they're a tournament team and you want to know what to expect coming into the tournament. So I will pay attention to this game. But the best game is San Diego State versus Nevada. Um, yeah, I, I might take the under in this game. I, I want 141. Uh, if I, I looked in the past, and a few games did get to 141, but Nevada's playing better defense than they have, and San Diego State it seems to be shooting worse, playing about the same defense uh, that, at the, that they had over the years. But their offensive efficiency, uh, even though it ranks 44th this year, they they haven't played uh, a ton of great teams. Uh, we found out Gonzaga was overrated. Their best win, Washington went to overtime. Cal went to overtime. They did get St. Mary's early, but that's when St. Mary's wasn't playing well. They lost to BYU early in November. I just don't think that San Diego State with an effective field goal at ranking 135th is going to put up a lot of points. Uh, three point range they only rank 197th but Nevada not the greatest shooting team either uh they they don't rank 110 either in effective field goal they rank 112th in effective field goal but they play some good defense they rank 39th in defensive efficiency this year last year was 71st the year before was 156 so they improved their defense but that slowed them down a little bit they're playing a little bit slower this could be just one of those ugly Friday night games where the ball's just not going in and uh, the refs are not blowing a lot of fouls. There are officiating groups in the Mountain West. Um, and uh, they sometimes just hold the whistle. They, they don't blow it. And, uh, you know, I sometimes like games like that, but uh, that usually leads to unders, as you know. The time goes fast and uh, no time for the players to rest up. They're gassed. Yeah, it all builds up and it just spirals exponentially into tired, bad shooting basketball. So I'll be looking at the under. Chances are you have to get this baby early if you want to think if you think you're going to get 141 or better. So let's move to Saturday here. And there's some fantastic Saturday basketball coming up. Uh let's talk Gonzaga, Kentucky, because it's kind of one of those weird middle of the season breaks for Kentucky. Now, can, I, I, nor, I wish Kentucky was doing better because when it comes to middle of the season, I, I usually like fading that distraction, but it's not a distraction anymore for Kentucky because they've been just losing a ton of games. You know, They moved all the way down to 24th on Ken Palm, losing three of their last five games. Uh, they beat Vandy bad without a couple players. Kind of a a spot where they had to get it right. And Gonzaga now has that loss against St. Mary's that I didn't watch the game, but lots of complaining about the officiating in that game on Twitter. Uh, maybe St. Mary's got some good whistles. I don't know. But the truth about Gonzaga is, you know, 
their offense isn't as good as it was. Adjusted efficiency ranks 28th, and their defense is 35th. Well, I, I do believe some of their offense, when they play some of the higher-paced uh, teams, scored 92 against Loyola, 82 against Pacific, 96 against Portland, uh, 89 against USC early in the season when they weren't as healthy. They only scored 63 against Purdue, but, I mean, it's Zach Eady, and that's back in November. Probably kind of erase those November games. 69 against UCLA when UCLA is a very slow-paced team. That's more understandable. And then they only scored uh, into the 60s against UConn back on December 15th. But the problem with Kentucky is they don't play defense, you know. I I think Kentucky's defense is even worse than Gonzaga's. Gonzaga's ranks 35th. I don't believe that. I think that's, you know, just based upon an easier schedule. But Kentucky ranks 101st on their defense. And they're giving up points galore, you know. But another good thing for the over is that Kentucky hasn't scored less than 90 points at home since December 2nd. Seriously, 90 points, you know? I mean, you just need 80 from Gonzaga if they score 90 to hit the over where it's going to be. I had the over at 167. I think it's going to be around that. Um, There's going to be some under pressure in the beginning because that's just what some betters do. And then uh, I don't see it going down much. Kentucky should be favored by four points. Anything less, I'm going to look towards Kentucky. But Gonzaga also needs this game like blood. Their best win, their best win of the season was at home against number 65 on Ken Palm, San Francisco. Now, I think San Francisco, the Donnies, are a great team. Well, I mean, they're great for where they're at. They're a good team. I was, I'm really hoping they make the NCAA tournament, but they don't, their best wins against Minnesota, so I think they're probably going to have to win the, the West Coast Conference to do so. Be a little sleeper pick there. But Gonzaga's going to have to win the West Coast Conference too. You know, This is a, a big spot for Gonzaga. They need this win. And uh, they're going to score some points. Both teams are in the top 31 in average possession, possession length. Would be a little higher if Gonzaga didn't have all those blowouts for them. Uh, both teams have advantages against each other near proximity and downtown. Both defenses near proximity and three-point defenses are bad. Kentucky's number one in overs this year out of all the teams, 17-5 and five to the over. I'm, I'm looking at the over. I mean, I, I'm not sure if they can make a number big enough for this game. So anything under 170, I am looking to the over for sure. And I hate betting conference overs, but here we are. It's just a, it, it's just a situation where why guess if Kentucky's going to play better defense? They're not. Uh, why guess if Gonzaga is going to play defense? They, they haven't in the past. It's going to be an exciting game. Sloppy probably. I could see some turnovers, some long rebounds, fast break, lots of running. We'll take over 167 for two stars. You son of a bitch. All right. Next game that I'm pretty sure I'm going to have a play on because we're just guessing lines in this situation, right? Always keep that in mind. Providence versus Butler. Butler minus four. Total is 144. Now, I had Butler as a sell-high team, and I think I was wrong last week about them. Pasha Alexander's playing really well. Uh, This is just the kind of a grid spot game that I like. And... Both teams are 15 and 8. 
for the season. But Providence beat Butler back in December, second game of the Big East play. Big East starts a little bit earlier, closer to mid-December. The game went to overtime, and yet they acted out. One of the best players in Bryce Hopkins was playing, though, for Providence, and he was injured. He's gone until at least March Madness. Now, I see some advantages for Butler here. The team should be able to hit from downtown. At home, they rank 50th in three-point percentage. Or in general, they rank 50th, while Providence only ranks 122nd in defending it. So 50th in adjusted three-point percentage, which is important to say adjusted because you're adjusting for strength of schedule. And Providence only has a near proximity advantage over Butler, but the problem is they shoot way too many threes. Providence ranks 60th in three-point rate while only ranking 254th in three-point percentage. So they chuck up a bunch of garbage. But it'd be great if they could rebound the ball, but they only rank 259th in offensive rebounds. Kind of a a little spot where I think Butler uh, can grab those and get transition buckets. Uh, Butler, very solid coming off of a good loss. I call it a good loss because any loss to UConn away by single digits is a good loss. Think about it. It's UConn. Uh, they don't turn the ball over, ranking 23rd. Butler is good at keeping the ball safe, and they also hit at their end uh, when they're shooting free throws. So say you're up by three points and it's foul city. Um, they foul. I have a lot of faith that Butler is going to make the free throw at 78.8% eighth in the nation. Providence, they turn the ball over a ton. They rank 225th in turning the ball over. That's 203rd on steal percentage, too. Butler's going to be able to pick their pocket. Butler's going to get some stops. I like this baby all the way up. I mean, if I see a four, I'm going to fire on it quick. I don't see it going down much. I doubt it goes to five. Five would be my limit, but let's lay the points with Butler at minus four in this spot. Uh, Providence also coming off a huge over t- overtime win at Creighton. So let down spot here. Butler minus four, 2.5 stars. Where's the five fingers? Say to the face. <laughs> what? Slap. This segment was brought to you by AG1. Why take a bunch of different things when you can just mix one scoop of powder and water once a day? Every scoop is packed with 75 vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and whole food source ingredients of high quality that give me major benefits like gut and mood support, boosted energy, and even healthier looking skin, hair, and nails. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash oddsbreakers or click on our podcast episode description. All right. Let's go a little hodgepodge here then for Saturday. So I wrote down some other plays. I think you got a hint on one of them in my, it's going to be a premium play, but I gave you a hint already in my earlier segment of overrated uh, by low sell high. Uh, Wisconsin, three losses in a row, bad losses. You go and lose to Michigan. Of course, me, I picked the spot last week against Michigan when they're playing Rutgers. And then Michigan just has to choke and lose by double digits as five-point favorites. You know, they had Rutgers the whole time. (laughs) And then what did they do? 
they come back and beat Wisconsin by four points at home. Now, Wisconsin couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat. That's for sure. But uh, it, still, a big win for them. They're going to have to go to Nebraska this coming weekend. So anything under 10, I'll be looking at Nebraska. But anyways, uh, this is more about Wisconsin. Wisconsin, three lose, losses in a row. They need a slump buster. And I think you should know what a slump buster is if you haven't heard of the term or know what the term slump buster is i say to go google it but this is a situation where wisconsin needs a big w and they're gonna get one against ruckers they're gonna shoot better ruckers plays terrible on offense they play good defense very good defense but i could see the whistles coming being favored in wisconsin wisconsin being at home uh, I see Wisconsin cleaning up some of those horrible threes. Rutgers themselves ranking 358th in effective field goal. So if they're not scoring and Wisconsin's coming off the screens and hitting their shots, this should be a blowout. Somehow this spread only shows five on Ken Palm. I'll be shocked if it's five. It's going to be seven, seven and a half. But man, anything under 10, I'll probably be looking for Wisconsin in the slump buster spot. Uh, Michigan State, money line, baby. I'm looking at this game because uh, Illinois is a situation where another team that I said might be a little overrated. Michigan State needs a big win. Their best Big Ten win was what? Uh, a 59th, Maryland? They lost against Illinois earlier away by only three points. They lost against Northwestern. They lost against Wisconsin. They lost against Minnesota. They haven't played Purdue. They only get Purdue once, which is nice. But this is a, a much-needed big W for Michigan State, and the spread should be under two. Uh, I, I'll take the money line unless I'm getting points for some reason. But this this is a Michigan State spot where they need to uh, capitalize on this game. And uh, hopefully they play like they did against Baylor back in December in this game. So another big game, Kansas hosting Baylor. Speaking of Baylor, Kansas just losing. First they beat number one Houston, then they lose to Kansas State. Well, they're yin and yang. So now they're going to be favored by four or five points against Baylor. Yeah, you got to lay the points or at least put them in a money line parlay with a, with a dance partner if you're past the five. I would consider that a little bit more, but you know, this is just one of those spots where I think Baylor is a little bit overrated and Kansas should be able to uh, capitalize on this game as well. So uh, this is another massive game. Baylor, a terrible defensive team, as I mentioned a little bit earlier. Let's look at the slate for Sunday a little bit. Uh, it's a small slate, but it's a Super Bowl slate, right? Let's get some of these wins into our Super Bowl Sunday. All right, so Villanova against Seton Hall. Villanova's been a massive fade team for me, but uh, against Seton Hall and just kind of like that single high, I, I, I guess you'd call it a very high ratings spot because I think people are going to be keyed in on sports today. They're, or today, Sunday, they're going to uh, need this win bad. Villanova only 12 and 11. Seton Hall playing a little bit past their potential. Now, there's really no offensive advantages on each side, but Nova does have the better defense, right? So not, not necessarily going to play it. Uh, I would look towards the under in this game. Nova, 311th in average possession length, 339th in adjusted tempo, 
while Seton Hall's 290th in adjusted tempo, 205th in average possession length. Uh, Seton Hall played a couple cupcakes to Paul and Georgetown back to back. You know, these teams, those two teams are terrible. But when they step up against big competition, if they don't have COVID, like St. John's, they lost against Creighton. They lost against Providence by four at home, and they lost to Marquette by like 20 some points or 18 points at least uh, back on January 27th. So Seton Hall, not that great of an offensive team. 214th in effective field goal percent. They do turn the ball over a little bit, so that worries me. Uh, Nova doesn't steal the ball a ton, but they don't turn it over. So, you know, just by turnover itself, Villanova should win this game, but not so sure I'm going to be invested in it because Villanova, I mean, I have to admit, they're still one of my fade teams. Uh, Northwestern Penn State. Northwestern's going to be at home against Penn State. This is a big game. Penn State can just be very hot and very cold. I'm considering Penn State tonight against Iowa at home, but the spread isn't exactly where I want it. Uh, let's see if it's moved. No, nope, still about plus one. Very close to pick them against Iowa. I, I looked at this game, and I was tempted to bet Penn State, but I could see Iowa winning it too because Penn State is so bad at the perimeter defense, and Iowa should be able to score with some of their big men, uh, like uh, Creaky and McCaffrey, who's been there forever, right? Patrick McCaffrey, uh, Owen Freeman. They've got some big guys that should be able to clean up the boards a bit against Penn State. Penn State's got some decent guard play, but they just cannot rebound the ball for the life of them. And, uh, I mean, that's why I'm not betting Penn State. I, I think that the college basketball is definitely going to Take some sharp money in the morning. I, I don't know what sides they're going to be on. I think for Northwestern Penn State, I, I could see this going under. Right now they're looking at 146, 145 uh, for the prediction. Uh, Ken Palm's got 148. I'd be shocked if it was that high. I would definitely drop the under uh, with Penn State away here with a Northwestern team that likes to play defense. And uh, they have picked up the pace, though. I, I will say they picked up the pace. They've had a few overtime games as well. But that's just, they kind of play at the pace of uh, what's set for them as well. I will say that Penn State is 7-4 and four as a dog. So they're a pretty good uh, dog team. And Northwestern as a favorite, 7-6-2, and two, so around 500. So just some food for thought on that one. Uh, those are the main games. I guess SMU is playing North Texas, eh, mid-major type game. FAU versus Wichita State. FAU is going to be a big road favorite. I, I could only look to Wichita State in this one. Now, Wichita State is, I think, improving. Um, they have a great coach over there in Paul Mills. Now, remember they lost since December 21st, Kansas, Kansas State, North Texas, tough teams, right? Uh, then a bad loss against Temple away. Then they did lose the FAU 86 to 77, but they're kind of in that game. So think about this. Now they get FAU at home. Let's look at their last four games. They beat number 46 on Ken Palm SMU at home, 77 to 72. They lose to Tulsa away, 79-68. Okay. Then they take Memphis and only lose by two away. That's pretty good. Then they beat UTSA by 20 points at home. So I this could be a buy low team. You know, this could be another buy low team. Paul Mills 
if you remember, comes from Oral Roberts. Uh, probably a good home court advantage for Wichita State. FAU is only 259th on Haslametrics and away home court splits and uh, uh, Wichita State number 63rd at home. Yeah, this is Sunday. I'll be looking to back possible Wichita State if the number's right uh, in this situation. So those are my thoughts on college basketball. Uh, might tweet out a few other games coming this Saturday for uh, the betting slate. So pay attention to that. Be checking out the odds breakers for some more articles as well with our great cappers. Now it's time to get into a little NFL props and Super Bowl with our wonderful guest, Mr. Ron Ace Sports. Now I'm very excited to bring back an amazing and experienced sports better and longtime friend of the show and Mr. Ron Ace Sports from the Inside Blitz. You can follow Ron on Twitter at Ron Ace Sports. Ron, Super Bowl time. Here we are. How you feeling about it? Well, it always marks, these two weeks always mark kind of downtime for me in a way. It's the end of the season. One more game. We don't have 60 games in a week. And Kiev, it's great to talk football with you as always. Yes, yes, you too, man. I love bouncing ideas off you. Always make it a must to have you on two or three times a year. Uh, now that the college is gone, we can forget about that for a little while, but we love getting into that early of the season. So we'll be texting about college football, I'm sure, probably by May. Or earlier, it's always fun. We love college football too, but now it's Super Bowl time and it's prop time. And uh, you're very experienced in the props. You love it just like I do. And uh, it's great to have you on to talk about, man. But uh, before we get into it, um, I always like to ask what you've learned from the season. And I ask myself that. And uh, any mistakes that you think is curable or is just, is it random variance, uh, anything you want to think about next season or maybe some do's or don'ts? Yeah, it's a great question. And as far as my regular betting portfolio and be, because I'm not a teaser guy and I've done some things that I'll discuss with parlays that I never did before, but my straight betting portfolio, it hasn't changed. And I, I didn't learn anything different. I still go with the three main handicapping methods that I use, set my own power ratings, know how to adjust them, look at situational matchups, you know, strength versus strength, strength versus weakness, line of scrimmage, pass defense, and so on. I still rely on the X's and O's as a big part of my handicapping. And then those situational factors, not just who you play, but when you play them. Uh, off unusual rest, like Kansas City had that six-week stretch where they had were at a rest differential disadvantage six straight weeks. It wore on them. They got the week 18 reset, and they're a different team. So I look for those three methods. That hasn't changed. What has changed a little bit is how I attack props because of DraftKings and FanDuel. They come out so early now. The market's set by Wednesday or Thursday. I've had to adjust there. I used to do just props on Saturdays and Sundays. It's almost too late to do that. So I have to reset that. And a couple other things. A lot of coordinator changes. I'm going to be talking about that in the offseason. Uh, let's see, Kyle Shanahan, he's the offensive coordinator and the head coach of San Francisco. Every other offensive coordinator has been changed around or flipped around in the last 24 months, except for him. So you mentioned May 
as far as you know starting to work on the 2025 season it's almost has to be earlier as we try to do a deep dive into what scheme changes and what all these new coaches are getting into and, and all that um, one more thing I'd like to mention, kind of long-winded, but one thing I did learn this year is that the number of coaches that are willing to go for it, fourth and seven, fourth and five, from the 45-yard line, from the 40-yard room, from the 38-yard line, we have to adjust how we look at key numbers, numbers one and two. We have to look at how we adjust how many punts there's going to be in the game, how scoring is affected, what coaches are going to go for it. Yeah. We're seeing a lot of strategy changes as analytics. And, and this past year has been a, a reminder that you can't just go off the same things that you've been doing year after year. You have to adjust with the times if you're a handicapper. Well, that's, that's, that's a lot of stuff. So that's great stuff. Man. Yeah, I, I mean, that, and I think that you're right on many of that stuff, many of those things. I think... I didn't I wasn't quick enough to make the adjustment of the creative part of the handicaps. I've always been super metricy, right? I've always had my own algorithm and power ratings, things like that, and they failed me a lot. Now, I had a great season mostly because of prop bets, you know. I, I probably was down on totals and up on sides, and that kind of washed, and I was probably a little up without that. But and the teasers were really good, and I kind of faded off. But the props is what uh, really was my bread and butter this last year. But I think the re reason I screwed up with my metrics is not that my metrics were wrong; they were really close to the lines in most of the games, if not dead on. I think that that just the game changed, and I think it's more of a public type. Um, I, I guess novice. It favors the novice betters a little bit more in the reason that they don't have to do – they can say, well, this team lost and they're tired or this team won, they're tired, or this team is in a terrible spot. I feel that motivation trumps my metrics more. And I'll give you an example. Let's pretend we had a five-game season of anything, but we're talking football, a five-game season. You are going to use your metrics and not even care about motivation. That won't even factor in at all if somebody's, uh, you think somebody's tired, you think um, a team's trying to save their coach and things like that. If you add games to a season, like the NFL did recently, and add a playoff team adding the wild card, it lessens the regular season, and the NFL now becomes a little bit more like baseball or the NBA. And I learned that because, well, I've lost some plays on it. Like, for example, Denver, when they played the Raiders at the end, there's no metric in the world that would say that, that said the Raiders were going to lose to Denver, much less barely win. Well, the teaser leg in the Broncos didn't even come through. The Raiders beat the crap out of them because they're trying to save it for their coach. They're trying to make Pierce their next coach. And even though I believe Sean Payton tried to have his guys up for the game because he's a good coach, that was important. Another another one was the Green Bay Packers. You know, everyone was hating on LaFleur. He's a he's a much better coach. And I shouldn't have fell into that trap that he was kind of losing his luster. He won a lot of games at the end trying to get those Packers into 
the playoffs and did an amazing job. And dang, they were so close to advancing past the uh, the Niners, as you saw. You know, that was a big motivational change and a, and a great change for them. And you could have thrown away all the past matches. Even though I tried to predict that in the Packers earlier, I lost the bet and just kind of got off them. But it finally came through and gelled for them. So going on past metrics is, I think, going to be a little bit weaker for me. Don't get me wrong, because there's still going to be plenty of games where, like, this team is going to want to win. This team's going to want to win. There's nothing there holding them back. I will probably rely heavily on metrics. But when it comes to the spots more, lack of rest, bunch of wins in a row, teams a little bit beat up, they're not going to give it their all like an NBA team would. They're not going to give it at all like an NBA, a Major League Baseball team would be losing to Oakland. And I have to remember that, Ron. Yeah, those are good points. And for me, it was kind of a tale of the last two years. 20, and I've had some really good straight-up years um, the last two. Really 60% kind of, which is above what expectation because you can never expect that. But 2022 started off so fast because they had these games that were revenge games. There were all these kinds of things going on early. And last year, this past year, even though I ended up hitting over 60%, I started five and eight in the first three weeks. And I didn't quite get a handle. And part of it is you mentioned a five game season versus 16, 17, 18 games and so on. The first four weeks, we're still relying, at least I'm still relying on what I know from this team from the previous year. But after four weeks, when I turn over the data and I look and say, forget it, Philadelphia is not the same team. We can't, you know, you have to turn your back on, we're waiting for Philadelphia to win by margin. Well, maybe they're not going to win by margin because they are who they are in 2023. And then you mentioned Green Bay. And Green Bay is a good example of a team that's really, really young. I mean, they didn't, they barely have wide receivers and tight ends that are eligible to drink in a lot of states. I mean, we're talking about guys that are, you know, first and second year guy. They didn't have a wide receiver or tight end on their roster that I think had more than one year of experience. So naturally, the more reps they get, the better they're going to gel at at the end of the season. So you don't want to give up on a team. You just want to look for continued progress. So that's kind of how I look at it. it each season can be a little, little bit different, but you have to wait a four weeks of data before you really can get rid of last year's data and say, wait a second, let's, let's cut the cord, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. You have to do that. But I've noticed the last few years have kind of been trending towards a lot of the creative handicaps and i'm gonna try to remember that but here's the problem it's still hard to predict motivation you're not gonna be right all the time oh yeah you're not you know i'm I'm noticing a lot of um you know contest winners and things like that are 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 have been great and i'm not saying that they're not doing metrics i'm sure they are but uh in my opinion uh, i have to kind of remember this coming into the year and you know what it only is going to get worse because you're going to see an 18th game in the nfl and only two preseason games and it's because of the money and they want uh, something I heard today. They want President's Day after the Super Bowl, which is the following week in February, which would mean yeah. people would get off for it. So it almost makes Super Bowl Sunday that much better. I think the NFL. I think I heard that at Vison, so I want to make sure I credit that. It might have been. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to you know steal their thunder. It was uh, the morning show on Vison, but uh, 
Uh, yeah, follow the money. That's what it was. I think that I'm going to be more careful next year when it comes to that. Now, I will say in the beginning of the season, you're not going to have your metrics perfect, but you still should have an advantage if you did your homework properly. You know, that's always important. That's always important. I mean, I'm, I'm doing for college. It's different because I'm, I'm handicapping every game twice and it's done by August 15th, but I can't really, you know, start until July with the NFL. Once the schedule releases out in May, I have all the information I need. And it would, it would take me literally just five minutes to make adjustments between May 20th and August 20th. You know, if somebody has a June 1st deadline cut or if somebody tears an Achilles at some particular point or whatever. But there's not much that we need to know, at least in my opinion, between May 20th and August 20th. But I want to be prepared for May 20th because season wins come out yeah. and I think yeah. I could have a jump. And, and you know, we saw Arizona's season win total go from five and a half to four and a half. Um, you had to jump in early on that if you liked Arizona. Do you know under. how many swings happened on that last field goal of people Seattle over and Arizona under? Yeah. <laughs> People double oh, yeah. lost I mean, on that crazy, field goal. But, but if you had under five and a half, you didn't have to worry about yeah, it. Yeah, if you're smart enough that. to get it early. And I've done yeah. well in my but season that, win totals. That's the thing. There are two kind of places where you want to make your season win bets. And I know we're getting off track. And one is to have as much information at your disposal in April and May. And the other is uh, to be prepared to pivot as you see what's going on with training camp rosters and the at least the one or two exhibition games where you get an idea of how the new coaches are scheming and whether or not there are going to be coordinator changes means scheme changes. And I have to account for that. It affects how they're going to get to the quarterback, what pass coverage they're going to play. Lots of variables. I'm glad you said pivot because I want to bring up another example, the Eagles. The Eagles were injured somewhat at the last game and into – the Tampa Bay, but they're road favorites at Tampa Bay. There's, it's, it's not like the sharp money took it down to zero. It didn't. They're still road favorites by two and a half or three. They got their doors blown off, and you know the people certainly that won that bet patted themselves on the back. But why are we not adjusting them quicker? You know, it's like, why did it take so long? I mean, they just beat Buffalo. They beat Kansas City last year. I, you know, I mean. What, what, why did it take so long for those offensive coordinators like Gannon, you know, to finally show that this team is forgetting how to play football in a way? And they still, everyone said they're deep because they've always had so many draft picks. I mean, they kept drafting guys from Georgia, but so they should have yeah. been able to weather a few injuries. But I believe it was the coordinator loss that finally bit them, Ron. Is, is that fair? I mean, but it's like, why did. Why were we so scared of them and not bet Tampa Bay and not? It's almost like they lost momentum. They looked like they got worse as a football team at the end. Yeah, this is something uh, Chris and I brought up kind of halfway through the season, saying that we need to start downgrading Philadelphia. And I think we were we were not early, but we we were earlier than a lot of people in terms of downgrading them. And I think a lot of people, including myself, were saying, what are we missing with Tampa Bay, Philadelphia? Because Tampa Bay graded out as a dead even team to with Philadelphia with a, with a slight home field advantage at that particular 
particular time. Three points seemed like a gift at that point. There is tape on, on Jalen Hurts. I think that was part of the issue. If we want to backtrack what happened to Philadelphia, there's more tape on Jalen Hurts and how to defend him. I don't think he was 100% healthy during the year. That's another thing that's going on. They didn't quite fix their secondary to my satisfaction would be another thing that's happening. And they had a first place schedule compared to what they had had in the past. So the quality of opponent, especially considering the NFC East had a cakewalk schedule in 2022, all of the NFC East had a little bit tougher out of conference opponents. And Philadelphia had that extra first place opponent 17th game. So if you combine all of that in retrospect, that was the handicap. Yes, you're right. They had the extra first place opponent from the AFC. Yeah, that and well, the season wore on them, but it's still Jalen Hurst. It's still Devontae Smith. It's still, uh, I thought A.J. Brown played that game, that playoff game. Maybe he didn't, but still, I mean, they were still loaded. That Godert was back. Godert was gone for a lot of the season. He was back. It, it's like you still had the talent there, and they didn't show injury, mm-hmm. but I mean, I think that they just lost their way from their offensive coordinator in, yeah. when you're out of practice. Kind of like with baseball. I notice even with my son, it's like he's great, and then he takes like five days off, and it's like, dude, it's like, have you ever played baseball before? It's like it's so it, it, it's like you, it's like you have to just keep going with that what you know. I mean, t- players get worse by having poor coaches and switches, and you've seen it all the time in the NFL. And I'm going to be a little bit more wary to that, but yeah, we beat this to death. Let's move on to the next one. So you mo- just moved, didn't you? You, you uh, used to yeah. have your friends over for the Super Bowl. Uh, what are you doing for your Super Bowl experience this year? Oh boy, it's going to be quiet. I guess I'm going to be on Twitter X a lot and uh, tweeting every play or whatever, <laughs> trying to get on a live show or something like that. It's going to be quiet. We we're used to having anywhere from five to 12 or 15 people in the younger days. Uh, we used to go to a place, uh, a big group of ours, and we used to go to you know some of these places where the atmosphere was really big with the Super Bowl and the drinks and the sandwiches were flowing. So I always um, had big crowds of some sort for a Super Bowl. And it's my wife and I in Temecula at our new home, which we love, but it's going to be quiet for the Super Bowl. Gonna be quiet. Well, Ron, you know, maybe you have to uh, put some crowd noise in the background or something, or find some quick <laughs> friends that knock on a neighbor's door or something like that. But the truth is, you you don't need it. You you'll be on Twitter. You'll be having a good time watching the game. And it's funny if Twitter does anything good. You know, it's it feels like you're not alone. I guess you know. So a lot of times, you know, yeah. you're tweeting back. You're talking to people. People are commenting. So that's always nice. It's always kind of taking the fact that you need companionship for these games. And personally. As I do every year, I'm going to go to my buddies or he'll go over here. We're going to take the TV outside. We'll have one family over, our family go to his house, and that's it. And then we can concentrate on the games and watch, look at all my props. I print out all my props on my sheet and have a great time with it. And I think that's what it's, uh, eat delicious food. Uh, that's what yeah. that's what it's all about to me, and that's what I'm doing. But for folks that might be newer to Super Bowl betting, can you tell us some of the do's and don'ts for betting this big game run? Yeah, so these are important. Important. This is a Super Bowl. It's the big game, but it doesn't have to be your biggest wager. I mean, I've been through all of these really since I was uh, single digits when my dad hooked up the screen 
uh, to, to get that first Super Bowl illegally on, on the roof or something like that. And we were watching uh, the AFC and the NFC for the first time. It doesn't have to be your biggest wager. I've had, I think, four really big wagers in the Super Bowl over, you know, 45, 50 Super Bowls that I've wagered on. So what's that? Once a decade, I'll have a big wager and I'm not going to have one this year. And sometimes I don't have a wager on the straight game. So don't make it your biggest wager because of that. Props. Props are everywhere. And I tend to have 60, 70, 80 props or whatever, but I don't recommend it for the newer people. Uh, have fun with it. And if you start punching that that button, you know, in your home computer, your laptop or whatever, make sure you track what you have. All of a sudden you may say, wait a second, I bet this guy and I have three units on this on a prop when I should be having a half a unit on a prop. Be careful of how it adds up. Make sure you track you track things. If even if you're newer, you probably have more than one book. Hopefully, you have more than one outlet. Uh, shop for the best price because it matters. Uh, you know, in the long run, if you're taking bad lines seven or eight times, it's like losing a full play, losing a play and a half. So definitely shop for your lines. Yeah. And here's an interesting one that I would that I would end on is don't be afraid to go against the norm, to go against the grain. Everybody says this guy is going to be good and everybody's piling on. Purdy, I'll give you an example. Purdy under 31 and a half, under 32 and a half attempts has been steamed by professional people all over the place. Mm -hmm. I mean, now you're lucky to get 30 and a half at equal juice or so on. Yeah. If you really have a conviction that either San Francisco is going to have to play from behind or that they're going to open up the offense or they're going to use the short pass to do things, don't be afraid to pivot if you think that that's a good number. You're going to get a good price on it. Uh, yeah. Be contrarian at times. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you might think so much of your play but then you miss an opportunity to middle it or to protect it because just this is, it's football. Variance yeah. injuries happen, you know. Yeah. Um, playing from behind happens all the time. Couples fumbles, yeah. it, it, kickoff fumble. You know, the team's on their backs. Be, anything can happen. So any positive EV, you should at least I think buy back for half. So that's great stuff. I also want to add: don't bet these props when they don't have nose to them or at least certain yeah. odds on the nose because you know that these things are massively inflated and also some books are sneaking by massively juiced lines um i just saw one and i'm gonna go pull it up here but uh there's stuff that's wrong like it, it, i you see like for example over 70 yards receiving um might be minus 115 and then over 71 yards might be plus 105. And then uh, then you look in the over 63 and a half is uh, like minus 300 or something. Well, it's not 300. It should be like minus 180, minus 200, you know, in that situation. So, right. so they try to sneak some of that stuff by as well. So if it doesn't have a no, question it. Why does this not have a no? Probably not really the true odds and you're betting a negative VV, Ron. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. And you're seeing more shops kind of make the expand the juice a lot. We've seen some changes in the prop markets. And I hate that because instead of the 115, 115, which is normal for props, you're getting 125 on one side plus 125 
minus 178. And those index props that you mentioned, they're not very good. Matt Landis, who you know, um, makes a very good point about that, trying to get just yes, no props. Circa is very good about putting out just the yes, no props. I would stick to those. I think that's good advice. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure you check that out. Um, these are like I'm looking on Bet Online minus 120 on both sides for 49ers total rushing attempts, or uh, you know, but these are cross sport and political props too. So they don't know how to price them, so they so they juice them real bad. I just think there's too much variance for you to predict some of this stuff. So uh, keep that in mind. Yeah. You want to do predictable stuff, but also I always every year set us a little money aside to have some fun. So I'm going to go over some of that as well. With on this show, a couple of the fun bets that I made. So moving on, who do you like in the Super Bowl, Ron? Is there a side or total worth betting or one you took already? Yeah, you know, it's tight. Um, and I think, and I put this article up at Wager Talk, so you could see a couple of, of my uh, articles, part one and part two, where I get into the nuts and bolts. Right. So I won't, won't necessarily get in the nuts and bolts in terms of here. You could read about that. Um, I'm going to go back to kind of my old handicapping methods for this. The game has changed a little, so it's not that 19. I think it was 19 out of 20 with the kind of metrics that we see here favored one side or another. And it, and it hit 19 out of 20 times. Last five, six years has been three and three because the game has changed. And partly the game has changed because the NFL wants it to change. Fewer penalties, uh, more offense harder you know you can't tackle below the waist you can't tackle above the waist you can't touch a quarterback there are a lot of different things that change the metrics but i i'm leaning i understand mccaffrey can change this game completely he's an unbelievable player um and debo samuel adds a kind of uh variable to the game where he could do so many things but i think kansas city has a better pass defense and that's what i'm going to rely on the fact that if push comes to shove on these third down conversions, I'll trust Mahomes against the San Francisco defense more than I would trust Purdy, who I like, and the system is good for him. But the Kansas City pass defense is, is in my opinion, just better, especially in the medium to long range. And so that's why I favor Kansas City in a small one-star play. Okay. All right. So you're like, you like the uh, Chiefs. All right. Well, I'm on the Niners. I took them uh, when it went down. I, it actually went a little farther. I took a minus 120, and then it got to minus 112 and stuff like that in a few books. But uh, then I took an alt line as well at minus 2 at plus 110. Uh, I think that uh, my thoughts are this. There's, you, there's, it's such an interesting handicap because you can check boxes, and you probably go with Kansas City with the check boxes, coach, quarterback, blah, 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 um, defensive coach especially. And then you uh, go with pure power. Pure power, Niners, 0.8 net yards per play advantage over the Chiefs, right? Um, also, the what have you done for me lately stuff. But I question the one, what have you done for me lately? And here's why. The Dolphins were an absolute mess at the end of the regular yes. season. You saw that. I mean, we, we, we knew they were losing that game. One of my biggest bets of the playoffs was the Chiefs in that game. You know, I knew that the Dolphins had no chance. And... Uh, the fact, the reason is they also lost five linebackers. <laughs> I mean, when you lose, yeah. when you lose five linebackers, 
Joe Blow could have been on their practice squad and played in the NFL playoff game. You know, it's there just were like... ten reasons to like Kansas City. <laughs> I I think you're being soft on how much that game was a mismatch. Yeah, that's that's for sure. And uh, I mean, it was just ugly, ugly, ugly for these Dolphins here, losing their last two games at Baltimore, bad, getting blown out, and then to Buffalo at home. It's this this team was done, and. So that that was easy. Now you go to Buffalo. And Buffalo, remember that Matt Milano loss early in the season? Oh, my God, that was bad. Oh, geez. Well, finally, towards the end of the season, Bernard started playing weather. They're their next Mike linebacker. Then he got injured for this game. And once he went out, this team was completely devastated with injuries. And then you have the boneheaded play calling by McDermott. And then you have the easy well, I wouldn't say easy. It's not easy. But Diggs missed the pass that he catches. He missed the deep pass that he catches. That should have kept him in the game. And to be honest with you, I was on Kansas City that game too. I took Kansas City plus three. That I thought you that, too. you know, it was Buffalo. Now, I did lose on the Ravens. So I went two and one on Kansas City in the playoffs. Hopefully it's not going to be two. So and did two. I. <laughs> now, I haven't seen a game plan that bad. But it was also bad planning on the defense because the read – does what he does he marched down the field and he did it a couple times against this d but still you can't get away from that run game and including lamar have him run, run the ball up the two hole four hole around the edge read options you know stuff like that you, they didn't even think to do that and they said to go against guys like sneed on their uh secondary and make lamar pass well not only was lamar off that game but he looked completely clueless. He fumbles the ball in the beginning, right? That turned into a Kansas City score. And then in the second half, oh, everyone's still thinking they should run the ball, but the Chiefs are like, you know what? Let's just stack the box. Lamar's off. Spagnola said that. So I believe that he would, they were more right to not necessarily run the ball with eight guys in the box, but that would, should have made it easy on Lamar with those one-on-one man-man coverages and he should have hit his receivers. Uh, but he was throwing five, ten yards past them. It, 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 he looked like not even a novice quarterback. So they not only stacked the box, they beat, but but then he got he figured out and, and hit some plays and went downfield. Bad luck with the, with the Trey Flowers thing, the two boneheaded mistakes, the fumble, and obviously the the the, the penalty. Um, There's some non-calls in that game. But then thrown into triple coverage. Even though you could say that there was a little pi on that, it didn't matter. That was a stupid move. Yeah, it was a terrible. It's like you you throw in the, you you move all the way down there, down seven just to throw into triple cover. They should have been leading at that point. Kansas City couldn't score in the second half, and so I'm like thinking that this Ravens team probably played the same game that they did against the Colts earlier in the season when they lost that game. So I believe I truly believe that Kansas City had a very easy way, and the Niners just happened to catch a red-hot Packer team that they had to grit their way back against a Lafleur who is in the Kyle Shanahan tree, so knows everything about him. And then the Lions team that just punched him in the mouth with, with great offensive plays. And I will say Steve Wilkes is a liability for the Niners. He is no D'Amico Ryans. You know, he is not a good defensive guy, but – you still have talent on that defense, so I'm still going by the pure power. I think the the Niners do win it, but I I, I just find it so interesting, Ron, on how creative this handicap is. I almost think that's kind of fun. I'm yeah. into this stuff. It's the nerdy handicap. Yeah, is I mean, you can make a case 
you can make a case for both teams. Certainly there's a path for San Francisco winning. Um, they could jam the ball down Kansas City's throat. Um, I think Kansas City's going to open up it up a little bit more than people think. So we'll see if I'm right or wrong. I think Kansas City's going to try to test the secondary deep. And games are usually won or lost by three to five plays. The punt block that almost was or the punt block that happened. The deep pass where it falls off the receiver's hand or he catches it. I think they will test San Francisco deep with Scantling. We'll see what happens there. Um, I, you can make a case for both teams. I'm a little worried because one thing I didn't see happen with San Francisco, I, I, I wouldn't have foreseen it, was that they could be run on so much by Green Bay uh, Jones with 100 plus yards and then run on again the next week with the Lions who have a diverse offense. I understand that. But it's a little concerning to me that San Francisco's entire round one draft choices on the defensive line didn't stop the run like they used to. You mentioned Wilkes. A year ago, they were 3.5 per carry allowed, you know, first and second best with Tennessee in the league at 2022. But last year, they were more middle of the pack. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Hargraves there, though. Um, I think that Pacheco is more of a running up the middle guy, and you still have Fred Warner there. If they want, if they're smart, they run it at Chase Young, who there's all these kind of rumors yeah. sw swinging about him not playing. I don't believe that. I think he's going to play, and I think that he knows now that everybody's hating on him for the run too. But uh, I, I think you got to run Pacheco out the outside, and that's where you're going to really gash the Niners. Um, Interesting uh, official in Vinovich. He doesn't really call a lot of holding plays, so I think that benefits the Chiefs, especially with Mahomes back there. I'd rather have Mahomes in a clean pocket than Purdy. But I will say that Purdy's EPA, ranking number one, and Mahomes are number nine throughout the season. Purdy looked better. I personally, personally think that's a lot of scheme, but that's just what makes this handicap so so interesting. You know, It's just uh, amazing to see um how how these teams match up yet the chiefs are the chiefs it's it's gonna be fun it's gonna be a great game and i'm excited to watch it uh, hopefully very good game and yeah i think you're gonna have as many people like the chiefs as as like the uh, 49ers and there's a reason for both that's why uh don't bet in your bankroll on it don't get me wrong if the if if the niners did what they did to the chiefs last time jump them or atlanta to the patriots I'm pretty sure I'll be buying back in the game on the Chiefs a little yeah. bit. <laughs> I think Shanahan will be running the ball a little bit more in the fourth quarter, and then maybe Purdy does go under oh, he, in, those, in those circumstances. He and there's a path be. for Purdy under, for um, certainly for attempts. But, you know, you know, two minutes left in the first half, whichever team has the ball, that's going to spike the pass attempts. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's start out with some – Novelty props, then. Um, you don't really dive into the anthem much, do you, unless you actually get the information? Uh, anything novelty, yeah. halftime, anything? You know, I I don't know why I pulled the trigger, but I did. Luckily, I was limited to 5 or $10, but I, I did put in a little play. Andy Reid would be shown before Kyle Shanahan. And... I don't know really why I did that. It's just Andy Reid is a more visible pick, you know, uh, person compared to Shanahan. I don't know where the cameras are going to roll for that one. Uh, I, per, you know, sometimes somebody will will give me some information because I I go with a couple of other people and we share props during the season. 
sometimes they give me some music information or color of Gatorade information or junk like that. And I'll put a few dollars on it, but you're right. I'm not, that's not something I really want to spend a lot of time on. Yeah, I know. I know. I, well, first of all, I let my wife have at it on the Taylor Swift part. Oh. I just let her have my screen and they were only limiting 10 to $25. So I just said, look, do whatever the hell you want on my account. And she went off on a few funny ones. Like, I, I think Reba's got to wear a black or brown hat at like plus 600 to plus 400 or something. And I think that um, there, there's a first song in there and who she's sitting by, who is like some random I've never even heard of. Um, I don't know these yeah. actress, actors and actresses like I did when I was younger. And But hey, you know what? I want her involved. I want her okay with my, you know. I, I, you never don't want to upset your significant other because you might be spending a little time on sports betting, right? You, you got to get them involved a yeah. little bit, Ron. So that that's my oh, theory yeah. on that. Um, but no, I, I bet the Gatorade because I do every year and it's just my fun and it's probably negative EV. I don't care. I bet purple again because Kansas City had purple last year. And if they're superstitious, why the heck would they not do it again? I think that brings in the purple Gatorade. Um, and I like uh, orange because it's I believe it's the best tasting Gatorade. I've had people ve- <laughs> vehemently disagree with that. I actually do like the taste of purple, too. That's probably my second. But orange is the best taste. And it's uh, the original one that I liked since a kid. So I'm um, thinking Chiefs are kind of orangish. They're red, too. I know Taylor Swift with the red lipstick. But red Gatorade is not good. I don't know why people think red Gatorade is good. It's, like, it's not. It's, yeah. it, reminds, it reminds me of Mountain Dew Code Red a little bit. Nah, not for me, Ron. I tried Gatorade, I think, once or twice, and that was once or twice too many. <laughs> yeah. No reason to put any more calories in this body. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about some game props then, my man. Um, how about any beginning of the game props? So I'll just tell you the one that I do every year, and you probably heard me say it before. Okay. F- first score field goal. I always do it, and it wins more often than not. Matter of fact, I can't even remember the last time it lost. I think it's been like four or five years. Maybe 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 I'm one. Maybe I'm four for five. The last five, I have to go check. But you got three plus seventy five on the Chiefs and uh, and plus three eighty five on the Niners. Blended odds. That's plus one ninety because it still has to be a field goal or not. So you're playing double. So you have to uh, divide it as again. So your blended odds are plus one ninety, and um, uh, the I think that the reason I bet it is because. It's a Super Bowl. These teams tighten up. They don't want to throw that pick in the end zone. They're not going to be as loose with the ball. It's the beginning. Um, I I think if Purdy gets the ball, he could be a little bit timid. And I have another play uh, piggybacked into that. I truly believe the Chiefs score first. I bet the Chiefs score first at minus 106 for a star on FanDuel. I, I think that it's just perfect. I think Purdy, even if he gets the ball first, He's a little nervous, doesn't quite work out. They kick it. The Chiefs get down to kick a field goal. You do have the better, more trustable in Butker, even though he wasn't good last year. He was good this year. So um, I, th- I do bet the Chiefs to score first at minus 106, and I took just a little bit for a third of a bet. Chiefs to score first and lose, plus 340. Mm. One, I .33 yeah. stars, so, that, so it kind of ties into my Niners. Yeah, in a tight game, the lead can change hands a few times, so no guarantee – um, that the team that scores first wins. So there's sometimes value on that. Uh, for a lot of last year and for most of the last three years, the 49ers have been 
exceptional at scripting their first 15, 20 plays, going down and scoring. So I would have probably had a differing viewpoint on that, saying that the 49ers would be the first to score because they seem so efficient in putting that first drive together, especially when they're at full strength. Now, we don't, I'm going to guess that Debo Samuel's at 90% and that George Kittle's at 85, 90% and McCaffrey about the same. They're not quite 100%, but they've had a week off. So there's really no excuses with all that. So I would probably lean that way. But I don't think at the present time that I have any early, you know, will this happen or will this happen uh, uh, early, which is unusual for me, but I don't think I have anything right now. Yeah, um, it, it's... It's 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 an interesting start. I always love the field goal. So even if if that wins, I'm going to be in the clear anyway for my score first. If it happens to be Moody kicking the field goal, so be it. But um, I'm okay with giving up the score first. But plus one ninety blended odds. Let's move on to uh, the next. In it's really the first score TD. Do you do you do any first score TDs? Now I will warn people: these are probably negative EV bets in general. Um, they're not going to set it up any different. So I think this is a bit of a little bit of a less serious bet for me, but I've done well in the Super Bowls in the past, but it also kind of blends on to how I see the game going. Did you do any TD bets in general or first score TDs run? I didn't do any first score TDs. Uh, we talked about yes, no props, and these are not kind of yes, no props. So it is probably negative EV, uh, pizza money that's scantling has a long gainer slash touchdown in him at six to one or more. You said you were uh, avoiding Scantling to me last week. <laughs> I was avoiding Scantling. Yeah, I, no, I fell I for it too. I, I got one on him as well. We, we were both like, last play of the game, it's he goes funny. over. <laughs> it's funny because I'm using him both ways because I'm using him as hedges with other people. So okay. I think he could get a long gainer, but I also think that he could have no no reception in the game. True. So I would lose the long gainer, but I would win the no reception. So I'm kind of all over the place with some of these guys using them as buffers for other th- for other things. Um, Noah Gray, because I'm kind of big on Noah Gray, and I know you know it's been out there that Ron likes Noah Gray. It's been mentioned by other people that I have Noah Gray. So. A little bit on Noah Gray. I think he's plus 700. To score you know, a touchdown in general? Props. To score a touchdown in general? In general. Okay. That, yeah, because I got a good one too. So, so. Yeah, I, I think one other thing I would make is that I'm more inclined, especially with the total being so quote-unquote low at 47, 47 and a half, that there aren't going to be more than five touchdown scores in the game or six. So... As we get the recreational money in at the last two hours before the Super Bowl, in a yes, no, will somebody score a TD? I will probably have two or three players. No, they won't score a TD. And I'll probably get some decent odds on that because the yes will be bet a little bit, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I'm going to wait and hit some unders and there, and that's because I believe the game is going to be run heavy. I don't believe a pass heavy game. I'm thinking this is going to be a rushing heavy game. And that's why I took the first half under 23 and a half. Now 
that feeds into my thoughts on the maybe negative EV first TD props, but I do it every year for the Super Bowl. Why not? Um, I have Christian McCaffrey plus 400 for, like, let's, let's just say a half unit. Isaiah Pacheco, a half unit on that. Um, and then I have Debo Samuel plus 900 for a quarter unit. Patrick Mahomes plus 2,200 for a quarter unit. Brock Purdy plus 3,000 for a quarter unit. And <laughs> And Kyle Ushak actually the only he's he can run, but he's probably going to be a pass a quarter unit. Now, I would love Kyle to do it because I have him anytime touchdown at ten to one for a third of a unit. Okay. So I, I'm not counting that as the first TD, but it's I, I believe that because he's caught last game. If you look at the last Super Bowl, he has three receptions. He has a touchdown. He's that sneaky guy that's open, and that's what they're going to need if they're going to beat the Chiefs. It, it's you can't go against the guys going against the corners all the time. Debo and Ayuk. You got to find the sneaky guy open, and that's and that's use check. And that also leads into the biggest. I'll, I'll give you that in a little bit. My biggest bet, but um, my thought is that all these guys can rush it. Purdy's been rushing better. Mahomes rushes. I actually hit a Mahomes rushing in his first Super Bowl, and I think it was uh, against the Niners here. The first one he won, um, it was thirty to one, and I had a larger bet on him. But uh, I think he's regressed a little bit, and but I still have to include him. But any of these hit including McCaffrey, I still win. But McCaffrey's odds for me is only like plus 100. I only get, because I have to minus out everything I want. So it's only, uh, you got you have to realize that uh, since you're bet- making other bets, you're going to lose them. So of all these three, all blended odds, I'm probably negative, but I don't care. I, I, I think that I'm going for Purdy. I'm going for Juszczyk and maybe Mahomes, but uh, I'll be fine if it's Christian McCaffrey or Pacheco. And hey, McCaffrey and Pacheco can catch the ball as well. So that's my thoughts. But going into the rushing props, I'm going to give you my largest play that I have. And that's um, – actually, no, this is a receiving prop. I, I also bet Kyle Juszczyk over 3.5 receiving yards. Eight out of his 10 games, he's – eight out of the 11 games he's played because he was injured, he's had more than that. And he's not a screen play receiver. So he when he catches a ball, he's already passed 5, 10 yards. So it's more like median thought than average. You can't look at his zeros and think, okay, this should bring this number down. The truth is, is that when he does make a catch, it's never under four yards. So I believe that he is going to go over 3.5 receiving yards, and I put a 1.5 stars on it, and that was probably my largest uh, my largest bet with use check run. Okay. Um, there were a couple of things that you mentioned. I think there's a good teaching moment in there. Um, a lot of your TD props, for example, are geared towards somebody running it in as opposed to getting in via the pass. And I think that bodes well um, with correlating other stuff. If you have stuff like if you believe that Purdy will not throw a lot of touchdowns, if he doesn't throw a lot of touchdowns, then you have to believe that his receivers are not going to get into the end zone. So that correlation I really like. The Hustech one is difficult for me because they could throw him a one-yard pass or a two-yard pass or a three-yard pass. So I'd probably rather lay the juice on half a reception. It is, is higher juice. It was minus, minus 150. Yeah, it was minus yeah. 150 on that. But I don't think he's had a reception under that this year. And he just that's not his route they'd rather shoot it to Debo Samuel on the side if he's going to catch one at the line of scrimmage 
So that's just that's true. The, the, the I think both USTEC are going to hit. I'm not guaranteeing it because they they tipped their hand with USTEC a little bit last week. So Kansas City is going to be aware of it. But uh, I think either one, I could make a, a recommendation on either one of those. I went different with rushing props because I don't it. have too many. I think when you talk about McCaffrey and you talk about Pacheco, if both teams had their way, they're going to go over the total. But I also think books know how to properly price both of those guys. So you're not necessarily getting any value for them. I mean, people people have been, you know, projecting McCaffrey week after week all season and Pacheco the same. So I don't see any particular value in that. I'm going against the grain on one prop and maybe with the grain on another. I have Purdy on small play Purdy under 12 and a half rushing yards. Um I just think he'll be more inclined to be in the pocket. I know one big rush can beat me, but that's where I'm going on that one. But for the game, I'm saying there's going to be more than one and a half rushing TDs. A little bit of juice in that, and it's moved up. But I think there'll be more than one and a half rushing TDs. I agree with you because I also think both teams have a rushing TD, whether it's Mahomes, Pacheco, possibly Hardman. Is it Hardwell or Hardman? I believe it's Hardman. Keeps I keep forgetting that, um, like literally the last three years. Uh, I think I I think both teams have a rushing TD, and I bet plus one thirty on that. So I got plus money on that. Okay. So I do I like that one. Um, number of players for Kansas City to record a rush is over three point five. So I can almost be certain that Mahomes, Pacheco, and uh, probably Ceh Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to have one. So I just need one more guy. Well, this is the Super Bowl. You see Kelsey run, take, take rushing yards before. You see an offensive lineman do it. You've seen uh, some of their backups do it. I think that Hardman's going to get an end around, and and it's probably because Debo is going to get a bunch of them. But the number for the Niners was four point five and plus money. I can only guarantee Debo two running backs and their quarterback maybe. Brock would get those, so I couldn't go over 4.5 for plus money. I wanted to. If it was four, I would have, but um, it was four and a half, so I couldn't find it. But I do like the Chiefs on that side. Uh, and I had to lay minus 188, Ron, but I'm pretty sure about it. I mean, I'm I mean, okay. not sure about anything, right? I, but it's, I mean, I feel good. I, I, have a, I, I looked at the past Super Bowl histories, and they've always had more than four rushers. Yeah, I think San Francisco under four and a half would probably be the way to look, and that would be juiced. That would be juiced, for sure, um, unless they do something really nuts. Um, or they're winning by 30 <laughs> points, and their third string gets a carry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that still probably won't happen. All right, so I took CMC over 90.5 rushing yards at minus 110. I, I just bet, bet this thinking it was going to go up anyway. I still think he does have it, even though I believe it's already been a book. I think some of the books put out some high numbers, and I think it was more protection. So it's like... Sharps are waiting for it to go up, but it's not going up as fast. Um, right. I, 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 I'm I okay with it if I can't middle this run, but I would prefer taking like 93 and a half back or something like that. We'll see the day of the Super Bowl if it changes. I'm, I'm okay with sitting on this thing, but I'm just going to let it chill for a minute. So I do disagree with your Brock Purdy one because I took over 11 and a half rushing yeah. yards. Let's land on 12, baby. Let's land on 12, Ron. But uh, I, I, okay. I, I seen him rush the ball very well, and the, he's going to be nervous, and he's not going to want to throw a pick. He's going to take off. 
Mahomes was higher, and Mahomes is running the ball less than he used to, but I think Mahomes is probably going to run a lot too. It's just that I didn't want to go high in his rush. I, I remember last year, um, if you got the number early on his over, you were fine, but those knees he took took it under the closing number, and I remember that being a big deal at the end of that Super Bowl run. Yeah, well, one of these quarterbacks is probably going to have a couple of kneel downs. You just have to guess which one. Right. What is Valdez Scantling's number for receiving yards right now? I'll pull it up here. That should 15 be 15 and a half, 16.5. And, and it's funny because with him, I think this is going to sound weird, but the number for him is irrelevant compared to any other receiver. Because to me, he's either going to. It's 19 and a half. Totally quit. I mean, he's going to go way up over that number because he's going to catch a deep ball or he's going to catch nothing. I bet it. Uh, so I took it at 16 and a half and it's at 19 and a half now. But I think that the books made a mistake on this. They still had like some props involving um, what's his face that criticized the Chiefs uh, played for Florida. Um, the guy that would lined up off sides. Uh, it's Tony. Ex- Tony. Tony. Yeah. Yeah. Kadarius Tony. So they kind of assumed he was a good play. But Tony's toast. He's not playing. Yeah. I, I mean, he insulted the so. team, but the books are like putting 16 and a half on Valdez Scantling. I'm like, okay, here's what the Niners did to Kelsey last Super Bowl. They blanketed him. It was guys like Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins that had 95-plus receiving yards. Kelsey had six receptions for under 50 yards. I think he was in the 40s or 30s. I think it was in the 40s. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm waiting until Kelsey's prop goes up for the receiving, and I'm going to take the under on Saturday night. I think I think the sharper players might knock it down on Sunday. A lot of people say, wait till right till the game. No, no, no. I, I've missed numbers for sharp bets on these yeah. unders before. I'm a Saturday night uh unders guy or early sunday morning if you get up early enough more than uh more than late sunday because they already been hit by the sharper books and they'll they're trying to middle at this point so and i think they know that too maybe they'll be on there on saturday night but anyways um yeah i i just think the fact that tony's not playing who you have justin watson that dude is not trustable he drops a bunch of passes just like scantling except he's slower you know so um i think they're gonna blanket kelsey i think it's just gonna force the ball more to uh, Velda Scantling. But you're right. There's a, there's a situation where you might might not even get a catch, Ron. Yeah, it, it could go either way. I think they're going to test San Francisco deep. Maybe I'm wrong on that. An unknown uh, thing that's going on is Sky Moore might be activated for this game. And if you remember, Sky Moore was schemed open for a touchdown in last year's Super Bowl because – Kansas City gets creative with two weeks to go, and they're going to run some plays that nobody has seen, and either they're going to work or they're not going to work. You might get a rushing attempt, too. That would be great. I was just going to say the same thing. (laughs) Sky Moore could actually run the ball. He's um, There's upside with him if he could ever stay healthy. Now, probably he only steals about 10% of the snaps from Watson and from Scantling and anybody else. Uh, But there's a path for Sky Moore to do something and therefore one less throw to some of these other guys. But I'm going to give a teaching moment out again. Let's give away the farm, okay? Um, If you want to make a scantling bet, bet scantling long reception over 13 and a half yards, but 
netted at a place that if he does not have a reception, the play is voided. So there are two different types of books, and it's 50-50. Either a book will, all they have to do is must play, and it's valid, or it says may has to have a target or has to have a reception, and it's valid. So read the fine line carefully. When you bet long passes over, long completions over, you get an extra benefit if the book voids it. And when you bet first reception, for example, under, uh, make sure that they're not going to void it if there's no first reception. So you can play with the rules a little bit and have a little bit more advantage. And that's something I do a lot. Oh, that's amazing. Um, now, most book, most of them are saying if you're playing the game, you can get a reception. If you're injured, you don't. You know, that's what they mostly yeah. do. So, um, but yeah, there's probably some stuff out there if they don't get any reception. Yeah, I mean, that'd be kind of crazy. But um, I, it would be yeah. nice to have some of those mistakes. I mean, DraftKings just made a real big mistake about their 72 uh, holds rule. They didn't have it out. In the, yeah. in the, yeah. And I saw this guy with a 20 team, 20 guy parlay that was $20 to pay 750 grand because he just bet the top 20 to all finish in the top 20 and parlayed them together. And well, there you go. <laughs> you know, it was, uh, I'm not sure if they have to pay it or not because I think these books have too much power. And, uh, uh, it seems like everything, yeah. everybody favors them. I, I I've looked at this, this stuff happening in Vegas and they seem to always favor the books, even though it's complete BS, but I don't know. Niner gang says, uh, yeah, Niners have a league league 22 interceptions this year. I think that I, that was part of my handicap too. Now the chiefs have been a lot better in the playoffs too. But I also think the Niners don't throw the ball, throw the picks. And uh, Mahomes has thrown some picks this year. He's kind of gotten in trouble. But it, it, it's all about the offensive line. I think that with Vinovich there, it, it's it benefits the Chiefs a little bit. It could benefit the Niners if they're holding on to uh, Chris Jones. Um, but I, I think that the, the Chiefs in general had a better pass rush rate. They did. Their pass rush rate was better than the Niners. And that shocked me a little bit, I guess. It was just because, uh, you know, Young hasn't been that great. Bosa's been double teamed a lot, you know, and Farrell's injured. And that, that that worries me a little bit, Farrell being injured against the run. But, you know, I'm still I'm still uh, leaning on that explosive Niners offense uh, for Niner gang there. So that's why I'm on their side. But, uh, you know, there's just lots of intricacies in this game itself. And uh, I, does Mahomes throw an interception? I don't know. Well, let's move on. To the passing props here. Oh, one more. I had a receiving prop. I had. Uh, I, I believe Isaiah Pacheco gets over seventeen point five receiving yards. If you look, the Niners are eighth in allowing yards, eighth worst in allowing yards to running backs. They just let them catch the ball, let them get a few yards, don't let them destroy them. I think Pacheco's going to get a lot of those, um, and I think McKinnon's not going to play. Um, I, I don't know why he's not showing on the injury report, but last I shown. That he, oh no, he's still on IR. He's not playing. Um, he, yeah, he's he's probably not going to play from what I'm hearing. Have you heard anything on McKinnon? Okay. No, I'm kind of waiting because if he plays, it triggers a play that I want to make, and that would be Ed- Edwards Hilaire under for receptions or under for yards because I think he would steal the third down thunder of Edwards Hilaire. That's what I'm waiting on. Yeah, that's that's good. I've, I'm hearing it's more doubtful. Um, yeah, I, I know he was designated to return off IR, but 
Here's another thing. Do you give your running back, a guy that's been out so long, a chance to fumble this ball? It's just like that thing. You're out of practice. That's why there's 20-day windows, you know? So I, I'm. we'll see if he plays. If he does, then I'm really going to be on your bet, too. Please text me, Ron, when you find that out. Or, or I'll text you if I found okay. out first. So we'll just... Yeah, let's yeah, just, let's that'd be that. great. That's what networking is all about. That's what networking is all about, exactly. Well, let's move on to the uh, passing props then. I didn't bet any quarterback props minus the Purdy one. Uh, and when I say quarterback props, I guess I meant more passing. I thought about going over and then try going under, but I was like, you know what? I don't think the, I think these numbers were placed kind of high. These are I, I believe it's going to be rushing. I'm I, I'm probably if anything going under on these uh, passing yards uh, for these teams uh, and for these quarterbacks. I'm trying to say, and I'm not going to go over. So, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think I'm have a little bit of liability on Mahomes because I layered some parlays. That's one of the things I've learned this year is that you can manipulate the lines and still get plus money in parlays. So I, I think Kansas City is going to be passing. Well, let me put it this way, Kiev. It doesn't matter if Kansas City's ahead or behind. They're still likely to throw a lot of passes. With San Francisco, if they're ahead, they're going to run the ball. So it's kind of a different formality there. So I manipulated Mahomes to be 33 and a half. Uh, attempts rather than 36 and a half and just put them with some other stuff. And so I'm not going to get plus 260 on a parlay. I'm going to get plus 110 or plus 125 or stuff like that. But that's kind of how I manipulated Mahomes. Oh, that's interesting. So you boxed him with some of your other plays. You boxed him. So you need that leg to hit, but yeah. Yeah. Like Kittle is three and a half, but I want him to be three, not three and a half, because I think that half catch matters so i layered him with kittle or i layered him with somebody else so you're you're giving up you know a lot of stuff to go down to like plus 110 or plus 115 but you're getting two really good numbers according to my handicapping so that's what i'm doing with that mahomes threw two interceptions in the super bowl when they played san francisco four years ago so he's not immune from throwing interceptions so I want to make that point out. Uh, the Purdy interception, which opened at minus 106 and minus 110, is now out of range, really. It's minus 130 to minus 150 at a lot of shops. But uh, when these guys throw, they're going to be throwing to uh, the uh, the listener, uh, Niner, mentioned that the 49ers have 22 interceptions. So that bodes well for Mahomes throwing one. And Purdy's had some interception-worthy throws that were lucky that they weren't interceptions. And I like Kansas City's savviness on defense. So you could see turnovers with the quarterbacks. Yeah, you absolutely could see turnovers. I, I totally agree. Um, I and. I'm not going to bet the the turnover, though, for each of them just because Mahomes have been so careful with the ball. I'm almost thinking he's kind of falling into Aaron Rodgers' land. Aaron Rodgers would rather almost throw it away <laughs> than, t- than take a chance because I don't want to. I don't want the turnover by my number. You know, I, I don't know. I, yeah. I think he should be throwing turnovers if you're losing and trying to win a game. I, 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 I wish there was better stats showing um, which turnovers are real, meaning if you're trying to come back in the game, you're down 21 points and you throw two picks, I'm not going to fault that. A first half turnover, I think I've yeah. fought a lot more than a second half turnover if you're behind, you know. Um, if it was just a stupid play and it's tied and you do it, yeah, I would fault you. 
But um, yeah, if you're chasing and you're trying to win the game because you are down and there is no time left or not enough time left, five minutes left, you, yeah, I'm okay with throwing a pick if you have to. So I, I, I wish there was better stats for next year. Um, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe some of the big stat companies can figure that out a little bit more. Um, it takes too much time for me to do it, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd have to go back and see what happened on the last play of the first half. Was there an interception? Because what do you lose if there's three seconds left? It's a. It, it, you have to like do some sort of a function if. They were score plus eight or more equals then turnover equals this category. Yeah, it'd be some programming to do that. I one of my off season challenges is digging more into Python. I'm pretty good at spreadsheets already, and I have the algorithms. But I want to get a little bit better with Python. I've always had somebody helping me that I paid to do that work for me. So move on to defensive props. So I got one. I, I think Bosa gets a sack. It could be a quarter sack. It don't matter. It's how FanDuel has it lined up. I laid minus 111. This is a lot higher in some books. Um, I'm just doing a half unit on it. Um, and I like Fred Warner tackles plus assists over 7.5 at minus 145 for one star. Now, Ron, the Fred Warner one is a no-brainer because I truly believe there's going to be a lot of running and a lot of stuff in the middle of this game. Fred Warner's all over the field. He's their best player on defense. Um there's going to be plenty of handoffs to, uh, and, and you know what? There's going to be plenty of tight end tackles too. I, there's this, I just see Fred Warner getting there and the Bosa one I'm not as confident about, but, um, if it plays out where the Niners are winning, he can get to, uh, Mahomes. Might get a, might get, might get a PI yeah. call or, or, or a personal foul call too, but we'll see how that goes. Oh God, please, please Vinovich do not do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the um, you know Mahomes is going to do some scrambling, and whether he ends up running or ends up throwing a pass, Bose is fast enough that he can get there and and possibly get that particular sack. So uh, certainly no problem with that play. Uh, Jair Brown is my person. I'm going to be looking more at tackles and assists, and I understand uh, Warner is a guy who's always around the ball, just like you. Said. So I think we're going to see some variations in tackles and assists book by book when we get closer to kickoff. I haven't looked at them yet because they're all cloning each other right now. They There's are very little difference going on. Well, it was you eight and a some- half at plus money. And I was like, I'm not taking that. And then they moved it to seven and a half for minus money. I'm like, oh, I'll take that. I think that eight is such a key sack number or tackle yeah. number. So don't do eight and a half. Yeah, and different players come into play depending on if it's a run-centric game versus a pass-centric game. And that's something the books don't always factor in. Uh, But sometimes you get that from more people are sharp at this, that they're doing props more than ever. It's not just recreational props for the Super Bowl. I have, I'm not sure why, I just like the value. You can get anywhere from plus 140 to plus 155. But I have San Francisco with the first defensive sack as opposed to Kansas City. Even if you think Kansas City might get a little bit more in terms of sacks, they're both priced at about two and a half. But I I just think you're getting some value when you get plus 140 or plus 150 or plus 155 with San Francisco first defensive sack. So I put a little bit on that. Okay. Books don't okay. usually... Yeah, another thing with sacks is it's hard to find whole numbers anymore. 
Um, this is part of the prop betting that I that I absolutely hate now, that you can't have a receiver with three receptions or four receptions or five. It always has to be three and a half or four and a half or five and a half. I have a pet peeve about that that I'm not, you know, we don't have enough time to go into that. But uh, there was a book, there were a few books that started off with under and over five sacks. Now, five and a half was available. Originally, you could have gone under five and a half sacks for about minus 165. Now it's about minus 200 or so. But I ended up doing minus five under for minus 105. I thought that was better value for me to do the minus 105 at five. And you can even find some fours and four and a halves out there now. So I mitigated hedge some of the risk because you can get plus money on four and a half or no juice really at four. But uh, more of my play is going to be under five because I like that number for sacks. Under five sacks or under, uh, was that under a- five sacks? Okay. Total. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, it's it, Mahomes gets rid of the ball and he's hard to sack. I think he's going to be caught a couple times, but I don't think it's going to be a ton of times. I think Purdy, um, just with his scheme, he, he I, you know, I, I should look again at these yards I did last week at your um, time to throw. I, I usually look mm-hmm. at that, but I'm sure I'm sure I'm pretty sure Purdy uh, is pretty quick to get rid of the ball, like Trevor Lawrence and other quarterbacks. So I'll ch- I'll mm-hmm. double check that in the middle. Uh, I'll check that while we go to the next category: MVP props. Do you like anything for MVP, Ron? Um, I can make a case for McCaffrey if uh, San Francisco wins because McCaffrey's got such a buzz for being the most important player on the team, perhaps Debo Samuel, but Debo would have to do more than just receiving. He'd have to have a bang up rushing day too. Uh, McCaffrey, we know can do both. So I think if you want McCaffrey or if you want to go non quarterback, which is anywhere from plus 215 to plus 250, um, I could see where that would come into play but otherwise i generally don't go into mvp props you okay so for me i do it as a fun bet um this is not a serious one so i'll do that i'll i'll cover what i did and i went Debo right away at 30 i don't think that number is available no more 38 to 1 plus 3800 um big number good number thanks yeah i got it early um i just thought that you know another way they would win this game is because debo runs out of the slot he comes out of many areas he's going to have two or three maybe four rushing attempts some of those break for massive chunks of yards debo's the hard guy to tackle it's going to be a lot harder for sneed to tackle debo than he did against little trey flowers last week um or a week and a half ago i should say uh debo's a beast he's an absolute beast he could be the game changer the niners lost every game when Debo was out um he's playing this game like you said I think he's 90 percent. he was way healthier last week than I expected too uh, me too. Uh, I was shocked to see him play so well but um his shoulder's probably going to be taped up and maybe a little injection in there and get him going and uh uh I think he's a there, there's, there's definitely an opening where he can get it but I also had a I mean, that's the one I'm hoping for, but I put a small one on George Kittle at 75 to 1. I actually don't like that one that anymore. I think that I'm going to go under Kittle's uh, props, too, for not receptions, but total yards. Uh, Kansas City's the number three team against tight ends this year when it comes to allowing yards. So um, I, I always like to look at my fantasy stats, too, because I think that's very inf- uh, important when you start tight ends against certain defenses. You want to see who allows yards or touchdowns. Well, Kansas City's just happened to be very good against tight ends so uh, maybe it's Willie Gay I, I don't know 
uh, who's covering them at all times, but it's it, it shifts between linebackers and corners depending upon formation, formation and things like that, even safeties, Ron. But um, that's all Spagnola stuff. I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> I just know the results, mm-hmm. my man. Uh, Brock Purdy I put in as a save bet, too, at plus, uh, plus 245. I got a good number on Brock Purdy, MVP at plus 245, and a quarter unit on McCaffrey at plus 480. Now, um, if Kansas City wins, obviously I lose all those bets. So I had to throw another quarter unit on Pacheco at 35 to 1. Now that's probably not going to happen because you saw Damian Williams make three touchdowns in that last uh, Super Bowl and uh, against the Niners, and they gave it to Mahomes. The problem with sports journalists is they don't know they know how to write about feelings and and narratives and and things that happen and. And, and they can kind of regurgitate people that are injured and not like that, but they know nothing about the ins and outs of football. They couldn't pick a game for nothing. You, you see all the mistakes they make picking games. Mm-hmm. They don't know. the And so they'll bet. They'll, they'll just pick Mahomes, even though he might be the last guy that did it for the Chiefs. You know, for, they could have three defensive touchdowns. I'm hoping it's not like that. But I figure I have to have some sort of out. So I think that – if the Chiefs are winning by two touchdowns and then Pacheco is part of that two touchdowns lead, they're going to be running the ball to Pacheco and, and killing the clock. So that's my angle on it. But the truth is, the Chiefs win this game. I'm probably losing my MVP bets, Ron. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's um, it's very subjective, the MVP. And we try to make our informed decisions on more objective measures. So um, that's why it's pizza money. Yeah, absolutely. It's smaller bets. Uh, okay, so any cross-sport props that you did? Um, well, I'm waiting for some still because they're not really coming out with those soccer props. I not, uh, preface this by saying I do not know a thing about soccer. So let me start with that. However, I know how to read lines, and I usually find between two to five soccer lines that are mispriced because of something or another, maybe they copied and pasted wrong or something like that. So I'm usually able to find some cross-sport, uh, cross-sport uh, prop late in the game, uh, you know, Friday, Saturday night, and, and then you know what you have before the kickoff of the Super Bowl. So I, I had two that were sent to me, and one of which was Rom's score plus six and a half against San Francisco total touchdown yards. Hmm. So, I mean, the assumption would be if you take Rom is that San Francisco is not going to have 40 yard breakaway touchdowns or return a kick or a punt or something like that, that most of their touchdowns are going to be McCaffrey short or, or, uh, you know, they're going to get somebody open and not in space, but that was an interesting one. And then I had another one, number of offensive plays in the game, which is typically in the 120s. I think it's minus one versus the New Orleans points in the NBA. Oh, interesting. So uh, I don't know where it was because it was just sent to me. What do you think about this? Do you want to go partners on it? And I said, sure, let's do it. Um, I don't know, you know, that NBA team score 120-something points. Maybe they do. I didn't check the matchup. Um, but – it sounded reasonable to me. So I like cross sport props, but I haven't made any many yet because they're not out for me yet. 
I haven't done many yet either. I'm waiting for more college basketball ones. I don't know a lot about golf. I got some golf guys I can go to. Patrick Gates, you know, a guy on our site that's just been amazing. Um, and some of the, obviously, Brady Cannon, some golf friends of mine that are very good at betting golf. But um, I, I think that I'm going to wait a little bit on that too. As a matter of fact, uh, you know what's interesting, Ron? If you have like the DraftKings and stuff like that, there's a ton of like, fun games that they do for free and like toyota will sponsor one where you win five thousand bucks you just got to fill out these yes no questions and it's just like a massive parlay right but you got to be the closest one to being right at least if you're not all right and then you win five thousand bucks you know there's all kinds of stuff you can just if you got an hour just do some of that stuff try to for some money and see how it comes you know i i made a non-serious uh Ten dollar parlay bet. Uh, I think I went Niners to win, court touchdown by Isaiah and CMC. Debo rush yards over seventeen and a half. Noah Gray over eleven point five receiving yards, which I kind of like that one too. I forgot to mention I like Noah Gray here. I think Kelsey's blanketed, and I think you mentioned you did too. Um, Chiefs score first, and Chiefs team total under twenty and a half. It pays fifty to one, so I'll get five hundred bucks for more beer that I maybe can buy. <laughs> maybe I can buy a couple half barrels if. Um, if, if that goes well for me, some dark beer. And so you can come over and enjoy it with me. So, Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> so that's always nice. thinking of your friends. That's right. I know Ron loves the dark beers, man. Oh yeah. That's good stuff. Um, you know what? So here's a prop I can't find and I want to find it because I, I really correlates to the ref. Um, I want total flags or accepted penalties. I want it. I want to go under on it. Um, I don't think that refs in general, like throw a lot of penalties in the Super Bowl and, Unless it's the very end where it <laughs> where it's been happening all game, but uh, Vinovich is like that, and I can't find total flags or total accepted penalties. Um, I looked on DraftKings, FanDuel, and there's nothing popping up yet. I'm waiting for it, Ron. So if you find it, let me know. I'll go halves with you, or, or maybe you can get down for me. But okay, you know it's... it is out there, but it's hard to find. Okay, um, the ten and a ten and a half is a number of. Uh, penalties and i've seen anywhere from minus 105 to minus 130 on the under Mm -hmm. so it's out there but i was going to ask you something very similar to that i like to bet which team will have the most penalties not the most penalty yards but the most penalties and i have not seen that anywhere this year and i really want it because i think it's it's kind of funny how i handicapped this in terms of pass interference, I think maybe San Francisco might have more problems with that. But well, penalty yards would be n- great for that, though. Penalty yeah, yards. Penalty would be yards. Great. Yeah. But in terms of most penalties, I think Kansas City, we've seen it so many times. If there's going to be holding, it's going to be Kansas City. And if there's going to be offsides, it's going to be Kansas City because they're famous for going offsides. In one Super Bowl, they went offsides four or five times, I think it was. It's, mm-hmm. um, I really want to find somewhere. So if you see it or if anybody who listens okay. to this sees it and wants to uh, DM either one of us, um, team with the most penalties is something I'm looking for. Yeah, I see for a team to commit first accepted penalty. I see um, will there be a penalty for excessive celebration? <laughs> will there be yeah. an offensive pass interference? That's the one I was thinking about. I'm like, well, if there's a team that's um, dominating and 
the refs want to kind of slow the game down on their side to keep it closer. Maybe they, maybe Vinovich calls an offensive pass interference. Both of these offensive coordinators are going to run schemes and uh, pick plays probably. And there's some pick plays didn't get called as you saw last uh, week uh, during the playoffs. I'm just wondering if uh, they're actually going to call an offensive pass interference. So it's plus three seventy five, and it's that's a good number. I, I think it's a pretty good number to, to the yes. You know, I would have probably said plus 300 was right, which is 25% chance of it. But I think there's more than a 25% chance of it. So uh, maybe that's one we make, plus 375 for a little bit, you know, quarter unit, half unit or something like that. But the other one is, will there be a penalty for taunting? Uh, you know, because I believe the, the Ravens got one last week, so maybe people will bet that yes at plus 750. I lean no. <laughs> I don't think they're going to call yeah. a taunting penalty in the Super Bowl. I hope not anyway. I got one. Um, want your thought on this one. I did it already. Not big, of course. But, you know, tempers flare in the Super Bowl a lot. And offsetting penalties, which started at yes for offsetting penalties plus 150, is now actually up to plus 165. So they're betting the no, there won't be offsetting penalties. But, you know, when, when they can't decide sometimes or they, want, they don't want to flag the first guy or the second guy, second guy I think, it, I don't know. I don't have stats on it. I didn't dig into it. But I would say this would be, I would have priced this more like at a plus one fifteen instead of a plus one fifty. On the yes, five now. On the yes yeah. for off, so offsetting penalties. I went um, yes offsetting penalties. Oh yeah, I mean it's the biggest game. They're trying to win. They're temp. They're, they get you. They'll get all fired up at some point probably. Um, offsetting penalties. Might have to wait till one minute to go in the game to have it happen. But that's we'll true. I mean, that'd be like that ticket with Valdez Scantling I had last week. Um, <laughs> his receiving yards went way over after that. It went, it went from it went from six to like thirty six. Um, yeah, right. And the number was like sixteen and a half, the same number as I t- I took for this game. But yeah, I mean, I, I I will let you know if I find it. So you let me know on the total penalties where it is, and I'll let you know if I can find any more offsettings. I got quite a few outs, but. I'm not seeing a lot of penalty props except for a few offshores, Ron. I'm not seeing. Yeah, I know. I, you yeah, know, I, I'm also know. limited differently in DraftKings. Like DraftKings is bad in Connecticut, but there's places where DraftKings has more stuff than I have. That's true. Yeah. So we'll. we'll look I at- have uh, shops that have limited me to one dollar for certain props. So uh, <laughs> why? Why that, that won't even it? pay for. Uh, for a taste of dark beers. So. That doesn't even pay for your, your click on the mouse for pushing it. I know. <laughs> you know that's, I'm expanding energy. Jeez, I mean, yeah. I mean, your time is money. I mean, way over a dollar yeah. a click. Come on here, Ron. <laughs> All right. Well, great stuff, man. What a what a wonderful breakdown of these games. I, I find it so fascinating. Um, all the disagreement on the side, but you and I are almost completely tight on the props, minus one disagreement with Purdy. So it's going to be just a gentleman's bet uh, with Purdy, and if it lands on 12, we both win. So we'll, we'll just uh, root for that this this uh, coming week. But, my man, uh, really enjoy this run. Uh, love talking to you. We're going to have you on in the off season as well. Where could our listeners get your great information and plays? Uh, first of all, always a pleasure talking to you and uh, to everybody listening. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Bet responsibly. Um, I can be found on Twitter at uh, down below at Ron A Sports. Uh, there are articles that I've written for Wager Talk, but probably with the football offseason, 
I'm I'm football only, but I do plan to from time to time resurface during the draft, talking about all the coordinator changes, maybe delving into some college football stuff. So every once in a while, you might still see me uh, hop in and talk uh, NFL or NCAA. Absolutely. Well, that, yeah. I mean, that's what's great about it is that it keeps going on and these lines are out earlier and earlier. So always be following Ron on Twitter. You know, he has some great updates for some of that stuff and some just amazing articles that he's written on our site, on Kyle Hunter's, on Wager Talk. Uh, Ron's just a fantastic journalist as well. And so I love reading Ron's stuff. If you want something in depth and something that's going to explain everything to you, definitely read Ron's stuff. Ron, we'll be texting, man. Best of luck for the Super Bowl. Thank you. My friends, thank you so much for listening to this show. Huge shout out to Ron for coming on and breaking down the long discussion on this amazing Super Bowl experience coming on Sunday. I hope you guys bet responsibly. Look, enjoy the game. Don't put so much on it that it's going to stress you out. Just check your cards maybe after every timeout or quarter or not even that much. Enjoy your company. Uh, Try to watch the game as much as possible, not just get distracted. But it's a huge weekend of sports. Uh, enjoy all the college basketball, the fights, as well as the Super Bowl Sunday, and go get some winners.